warm welcome to you all joining us via live stream, and especially you mothers. Motherhood is a very difficult task. I try to be an evolved father in my home, and one way I do that is I give Catherine the day off on Fridays. And by the time Catherine gets back from her day off from motherhood, I am a wreck. So if you ever see me on Friday afternoons or evenings, you know why I, I look like I do. I'm very thankful for all of you mothers. You're engaging in a, an eternal and eternally important task, and it's one that you should never forsake. Never give up motherhood for career or pleasure or anything like that. The most, one of the most effective things a woman can do in this life is to have and raise children. And I'm so thankful for all of you, and I pray and ask the Lord's blessing on your ministry to your family and your children. Well, let's go ahead and open up to Philippians 2. We're continuing our study in Philippians. We're plodding along. We're making progress. Praise the Lord. Last week, we covered one verse, and this week we're going to cover five. I know I keep changing it up on you. But the idea that I'm trying to get at is that there's a central idea in this passage that I want to tackle. While there are a lot of verses, there's a central idea. And that idea, we're going to read, let's go ahead and read Philippians 2, 25 through 30. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus, my brother and fellow worker and fellow soldier, and your messenger and minister to my need. For he has been longing for you all and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. Indeed, he was ill, near to death. But God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. I am the more eager to send him, therefore, that you may rejoice at seeing him again, and that I may be less anxious. So receive him in the Lord with all joy, and honor such men. For he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. So to do a bit of review, we've been going through this mini-series within Philippians called Models of Ministry. And the goal of this is to take principles and truths from these specific models of ministry, Timothy, Paul, Epaphroditus, and to extrapolate them and apply them to our lives. That's been, what, that's been my goal through all of this. And we've been making our way through this section in Philippians. And now we come to the end of this mini-series. I will be concluding this Models of Ministry mini-series this morning, closing with Epaphroditus. Last week we touched on Epaphroditus specifically from Philippians 2.25. I covered the titles that Paul applies to Epaphroditus, as mentioned in 2.25. And now I'm going to take this whole chunk, the rest of what Paul says regarding Epaphroditus, and discuss it. And there's one central idea, as I've already alluded to, and that central idea is in verse 30, Philippians 2.30. Paul says this of Epaphroditus, For he, Epaphroditus, nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. The central idea that I'm going to be discussing this morning is found here. Specifically, risk. Risk. It says in the ESV that Epaphroditus risking his life 
to complete what was lacking in your service to me. I'm going to be discussing this morning risk and ministry. That's the idea. That's the central idea that I think Paul is communicating here on the basis of Epaphroditus' life. Risk and ministry. And to define risk, this is the way I'll be defining it throughout the sermon. Risk is the possibility that something bad or unpleasant will happen. The possibility that something bad or unpleasant will happen. Now, oftentimes we do not bring together these two categories of risk and ministry. But what we're going to see this morning is that what Epaphroditus accomplished is that he engaged and he sought to risk his life. And that risk ended up coming true for Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus suffered loss. Specifically, he almost perished. He almost died. He became ill. And what we're going to learn is that ministry, two points, ministry involves risk. You cannot engage in ministry without assuming risk. Ministry is a risky endeavor. And then secondly, we're going to see the second point is that the risk involved in ministry, it's worth taking on. Ministry, even in light of the risk, is worth pursuing. So those are the two points. First point again, it's this. Ministry involves risk. Ministry involves the possibility that something bad or unpleasant will happen. You cannot engage in ministry without risk. And looking at Epaphroditus, as I taught last week, Epaphroditus, what he did, what's going on behind the scenes here, is that Epaphroditus was sent from Philippi to Paul in prison which scholars believe is in Rome. So Epaphroditus traveled from Philippi to Rome. And look in verse 25. The purpose of that was that Epaphroditus had a message message for Paul. Right at the end of verse 25, Epaphroditus is referred to as your messenger, the messenger that came from Philippi. And also, Epaphroditus was a minister So Epaphroditus had this task given to him by the Philippian church to go and visit Paul in Rome, some 800 miles away. And whenever Epaphroditus got there, he was to give Paul a message, and he was to be a minister to Paul. And as I discussed last week, Philippians 4 specifies that the Philippians sent with Epaphroditus to Paul a financial gift. And so Epaphroditus was called by the Philippian church to take care of this task. And Epaphroditus came back. He came back from Rome to Philippi. And what he brought with him, I taught last week, was this letter of the Philippians. We have this letter to the Philippians in our Bibles because of Epaphroditus's risk, the risk that he took in ministering to Paul. That's what we discussed last week. And as we see... In verse, look with me at verse 26. Epaphroditus had this longing to return to the Philippians. 
And verse 27 specifies that Epaphroditus became ill. Now, this word for ill is a very general term. Paul doesn't specify what type of illness, whether it's a fever, whatever. This is a very nondescriptive word. It's just illness. Epaphroditus fell ill. But this illness was to the degree that he almost died. Again, look in verse 27. Epaphroditus was near to death. And then go to verse 30. For he nearly died. So this was a serious illness. This was not just a cold. This might have been COVID-19 in the first century. This was a significant illness. And I want you to see why he almost died. Once again, verse 30. Paul specifies, for he nearly died for the work of Christ. In today's society, millennials, they love to travel. They love to go to the Alps or to go to Asia or to go to New Zealand to see the world, to see the world's cultures. In the ancient world, people didn't travel for fun. It was very common to be born, raised, and die 10 miles from where you were born. People rarely traveled in the ancient world. And the reason why is because of the perils of traveling. Sickness, danger, shipwreck, many things could happen as you traveled in the ancient world. And Epaphroditus' mission, he wasn't traveling for fun. Epaphroditus was not a millennial. He's not backpacking through the Alps. Verse 30 specifies that Epaphroditus nearly died because of ministry, because of the work of Christ. This was not fun for Epaphroditus. This was a calling that Epaphroditus executed on. And what we see here in Epaphroditus' life, which is true also for us, is that ministry involves risk. To do this ministry, to engage in this ministry, meant that Epaphroditus would bring upon himself all of the risks that traveling to Rome entailed. Now, it's important that we do not understand Epaphroditus as following some type of special command given by Christ. Epaphroditus is unique in the sense of his importance in the Bible. He played a very important role in church history. We have the book of Philippians because of what he did. However, this type of radical call, this type of engaging with risk, is not unique to Epaphroditus. Christianity in general, biblical Christianity as the Bible defines it, not cultural Christianity, but biblical Christianity as Jesus himself defines it, is a risky endeavor. Listen to what Jesus says. I've mentioned this passage a number of times, and I imagine I will continue to mention it because of its importance. Jesus says this, Matthew 16, 24. Then Jesus told his disciples, If anyone, if anyone would come after me, let him deny himself 
and take up his cross and follow me. Now my question, dear friend, is taking up a cross risky? It, it absolutely is. To be a Christian, to follow Jesus Christ, entails risk. It entails bringing upon yourself, quote, Jesus' cross. What this means is that Jesus, in inviting us to eternal life, in calling us to eternal life, calls us to die, to lay down our lives for him. So this calling of risk is not just something of ministry. It's part of the larger phenomenon of Christianity. You cannot be a Christian and reject risk. To be a Christian is to hold on to risk and to accept risk, specifically this risk of a cross. So I don't want us to see Epaphroditus as a special Christian, as a unique Christian. This calling of ministry, this calling of risk, this calling to take up a cross and follow Jesus is central to Christianity. You cannot be a Christian and reject all risk. To be a Christian is a risky endeavor. If you want to be comfortable in life, if you just want to be left alone, if you just want to keep to yourself and not be bothered, you should not be a Christian. If you're looking for a carefree, risk-free existence, don't follow Jesus. Following Jesus entails risk. And because of that, ministry as well entails risk. Ministry is risky. It's risky in a number of different senses. Specifically, it's risky in the sense that it can get you killed. Being a Christian, historically and even now, Identifying with Jesus Christ can get you killed. Now, in America, we have the blessing of not having physical persecution, and that is a tremendous blessing. However, this is not the norm. All throughout human history, in the early church, in the medieval church, and even in some parts of the world today, persecution is a norm. Brother John Stroman tells me of his mission to, to India. And in India, there are many Christians who are persecuted by Hindus. Even now, I get emails discussing the persecuted church around the world. Being a Christian, engaging in ministry, testifying of the grace of God, can get you killed. That is a big risk, but it is what Jesus calls us to. Now, another risk we might experience here, and I think this is more of a prevalent risk here in America, is risking our popularity, our status, being liked. If you take a stand for Christ, 
people aren't going to like you. You're going to be ridiculed. You're going to be made fun of. You're going to be ostracized. Listen to this illustration. I think this fits well with our context. Let's say you're at a family gathering. You're at a family gathering and everybody is having a good time. Everyone enjoys company. There's good food. And everybody's just relaxing. Now in your family, you might be one of the only Christians. And as you're sitting around the dinner table, the conversation steers itself towards something controversial. Something that Christians have strong convictions about. There are a variety of issues. I'll let you use your imagination to define the situation. But the conversation steers itself towards an issue that Christians have strong feelings about, that the Bible is very clear on. And as the conversation develops, your family members begin laughing at the things that the Bible says are wrong. And so you're sitting there, you're listening to this. And in this moment, risk is knocking on your door. And the risk is this. If I choose to make a stand for Jesus Christ, I risk there is the possibility of being made fun of, of being ostracized from my family. Every time I bring this up to my family, they make fun of me or they don't talk to me for a couple of months. Now this situation can happen in a number of different contexts. It can happen at a family gathering for the high school seniors. It's going to happen in college. I assure you of that. It can happen in the workplace. It doesn't matter. This happens. This has happened to me by the grace of God. This hasn't happened in my family, but it has happened in my workplace. And to be a light for Christ in that situation, it is impossible without risk. And this is exactly what the Lord calls us to. This is what Epaphroditus engaged in. He engaged in a risky endeavor. It almost cost him his life. And the Lord calls us to the same reality. You cannot live a life in this world that glorifies Jesus Christ and avoid all risk. We have to pursue risk. And the way I want to apply this to you all is in this notion of a comfort zone. So we all have comfort zones. We all have places in our lives where we're not comfortable obeying Christ, or at least it, it is hard to obey the Lord in those areas. We have comfort zones. And specifically, we have ministry comfort zones. And we are often confronted with opportunities to minister. But what happens is that those opportunities apply pressure to this bubble that we've constructed. And this bubble is our comfort zone. And what exists outside of this comfort zone is risk. It's risky 
to step out of this comfort zone because then we have to give up something that we don't want to give up. So we all have these bubbles. We all have these comfort zones. And we walk through life with these bubbles. We walk through life with a ministry comfort zone. And in my life, I imagine this looks very different than it looks like in your life. In my life, one way the Lord has been calling me to obedience in this time period of this pandemic is to be a light in my neighborhood. Now, dear friend, when I go home from work, I tend to view my home as a place where I don't do ministry. I can kind of kick back. But what the Lord calls me to is to be a light and to take risk and to give up for him what it is that I most cherish. I have this ministry comfort zone. And risk and loss constantly tried to invade it. And dear friends, it is disobedience to prevent the Lord from popping this bubble of our comfort zone. And what the Lord calls us to do in your life, what he calls you to do is to lay down this ministry bubble. You're you're cool with doing this type of ministry, but not this type of ministry. And I pray the Lord's wisdom upon you during this time. The Lord wants to stretch you. The Lord wants to pop this bubble. The Lord wants you to take risk. It could be financial risk. It could be a time risk. It could be comfort risk. It doesn't matter. But the Lord wants you, all of us, to lay it all on the line. To have no comfort zone. And to offer to the Lord a sacrifice. To accept risk. And to not run from it. Ministry involves risk. Second point. Ministry is worth the risk. First point, ministry entails risk. Second point, ministry is worth the risk. So if I'm going to persuade you, if I'm going to say, yes, you need to do things that are difficult in life for Christ, you might need to move across the world and be a missionary. Wow. The way I get you there, the way the Bible gets us there, is it promises us blessings. There is great benefit in following Christ. There is great benefit in engaging in ministry. There is great benefit in taking upon ourselves risk. And the benefits outweigh what it is that we lose. What we lose is our sin. What we lose is our comfort. What we lose are things that should be lost. And what we gain far outweighs that. There's two items here in this passage of what we gain. The reason why we should pursue ministry is because it's worth the risk. Look at verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, Epaphroditus. He almost died. He risked his life 
for the sake of the gospel. And look what God did. But God had mercy on him. But God had mercy on him. When we choose to step out of our comfort zones, when we choose to accept risk, the risk that is involved in ministry, what happens is that the Lord shows up. When we choose to forsake ourselves, what we find is God. Now, Epaphroditus, as I said, was ill. He was ill to the point of death. And in the ancient world, people didn't recover from near-death illnesses very often. This would have been seen in the ancient world as a miracle. Now, we're not told whether this was a miracle, whether at one point Epaphroditus was just about to die and then the next point he was perfectly healthy, or whether he recovered through natural processes. It just says that he was ill and that the Lord healed him. And remember, there were no antibiotics in the ancient world. Antibiotics have changed our whole existence. They have made common problems that used to kill people in the ancient world very treatable. All you have to do is take this pill over a period of a week. And what used to kill people can be easily taken care of now. But it's important to remember that, that in the ancient world, they didn't have modern medicine. And if you got sick unto death, if you were close to death, it meant that you were probably going to die. And so what happened with Epaphroditus, Paul is interpreting it as a supernatural intervention. That the Lord himself stepped in and healed Epaphroditus. And praise God that he did. We are talking about Epaphroditus this morning because of this intervention. And dear friends, what this highlights for us, transitioning from the ancient world to today, what this highlights for us is that when we step out in faith and bring upon ourselves risk, when we do not run from the risk of ministry but accept it and say yes to it by faith, what happens is that the Lord shows up. The Lord is faithful. For those who seek to lose their lives for the sake of the gospel, God steps in and provides. God steps in and blesses. And without taking on this risk, dear friend, you will not experience God in this way. There is nothing, there, nothing rivals stepping out in faith, experiencing loss, but have the Lord provide over an abundance of what it is that you've lost. There is nothing like that. Nothing gives your life meaning like those types of stories. And you cannot have that unless you bring upon yourself risk. And this makes it worth it to have the Lord be constantly involved in your life in a way that you can see and feel far outweighs the risk of ministry. Now, dear friend, this does not mean, this does not mean that if you bring upon yourself risk and you suffer loss for the gospel, that God will heal you like he did Epaphroditus. 
That is an error of the prosperity gospel, that if you have enough faith, God will heal you. Sometimes the Lord is faithful in you losing it all. The Lord was faithful to Paul even though he was beheaded. For those who lose their lives, there is no divine intervention. Now what they await, what comes for them in the next life, makes it worth it. But simply because we engage in risk in this life does not mean that we will not suffer harm. We might. But God will always be faithful and his faithfulness to us, his faithfulness to you, will probably be different than his faithfulness to Epaphroditus. God is always faithful, but his faithfulness shows up in ways that are different and unique to all of us. So we cannot bank on, well, if I take this risk, God will treat me this way. No, God is sovereign and God shows his faithfulness in an infinite number of ways. But what we know is that God will be faithful. God will show up. And dear friends, I need to make another nuance. If you engage in unbiblical risk, let's say you choose to marry a non-believer. That is an unhealthy risk. Not all risk is good. Not all risk should be pursued by Christians. If you choose to marry a non-believer, you are bringing upon yourself unhealthy risk. Now, God still will be faithful to you. And God still could bring about salvation in the life of your spouse. That could happen. But it might not. And it's not promised. So God only shows up in faithfulness with reference to risk when we choose to take upon ourselves the type of risk that Scripture encourages us to take on. So we need to nuance it here and explain it. This isn't an, an open blanket promise that God will heal you if you choose to accept some risky endeavor. But nonetheless, God is faithful. And God will show his faithfulness to those who take upon themselves the risk of ministry in glorious and unique ways. But that point takes up a very small part of this passage. God's blessings upon Epaphroditus are not their main focus in this passage. What I want you to see in this passage is the blessings that come from people. So we're talking about, is the risk of ministry worth it? And it is worth it. The first reason was because of God's blessings. The second reason is because of the commendation that we receive from people. The second reason why ministry is worth it is because of the commendation we receive from others. Let's go through this passage. Verse 25. Paul has tremendous things to say about Epaphroditus. Epaphroditus is my brother, is my fellow worker, is my fellow soldier, is your messenger and minister to my need. To have the Apostle Paul compliment you like that is worth all the money in the world. Dear friend, if you had the opportunity to have this type of life, to have your name in Scripture as someone whom the Apostle Paul commends, oh, dear friend, it's worth it, regardless of what you have to give up. 
Epaphroditus was a tremendous person. Verse 20, excuse me, verse 27. Indeed, he was ill, near to death, but God had mercy on him, and not only on him, but on me also, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. Dear friends, there are people in this world of whom, when they die, people are happy and thankful that they have passed. There are people in this world who are evil, and when they pass, people celebrate that. And there are other types of people who pass on to eternity whose lives make no difference. It does not matter whether they lived or died. Their life had no meaning. But look how Paul is talking about Epaphroditus here. Epaphroditus was very useful and very meaningful to the Apostle Paul. If Epaphroditus were to have died, Paul were to have, quote, sorrow upon sorrow. Paul doesn't just say he would have had sorrow. He would have had sorrow upon sorrow. This is the type of person we want to be. Whenever we die, we want people to miss us. And that's who Epaphroditus was. Now, look at verse 28. I am the more eager to send him. Epaphroditus has this usefulness to Paul, that you may rejoice at seeing him again. And that I may be less anxious. Paul has an invested interest in Epaphroditus. He loves this guy. And he wants the Philippians to love him as well. Commendation, praise. And then verse 29. So receive him in the Lord with all joy. And honor such men. Paul wants the Philippians to receive him with gladness. And also... Paul wants the Philippian church to have this culture in which they honor people like Epaphroditus. He kind of serves as a paradigm, as a figure for how the Christian community in Philippi should be. And then verse 30 gives us the reason. Why, does, why should the Philippians honor such men or such people? Because, verse 30... Epaphroditus engaged in ministry, which was risky. Dear friends, this is what Proverbs 22.1 says. A good name is to be chosen rather than great riches. A good name is to be chosen rather than than great riches. To die with a good reputation, to go out of this world, and to be praised by other people for your Christian convictions is a blessing worth all the money in the world. Now, this is not something we directly pursue. We do not directly pursue to be praised by others. Proverbs also teaches this. The fear of man lays a snare. Proverbs 21, excuse me, 29, 25. The fear of man lays a snare. The fear of man is whenever we seek to please people. The Bible warns against this. But the Bible also recognizes having a good reputation is worth more than gold. And the way we bring these two ideas together 
The way you have a good name in this world, the way you go out with a godly reputation, is you don't seek to please people. You seek to please the Lord. You seek to engage in risky ministry. Now, as a consequence of that, people will see your life and they will marvel at the grace of God in your life. When God is at work in you, people will notice and people will respect you. We do not pursue the praise of man, but it is a consequence of pursuing gospel ministry. It is a byproduct of it. We do not pursue it, but it is a consequence of pursuing the Lord. For those who pursue the Lord, for those who pursue the risk that is involved in ministry, people will praise. People will recognize and commend those types of people. Now to bring this discussion to an end, I have this for you, dear friend. When you die, let's think about yourself at your funeral. When you die, which you will, you will die. When you die, what will people say of you? If you were to die right now, would they say of you, they were my brother? They were my sister. They were a fellow worker in the gospel. They were a fellow soldier. They were useful. Will people say that of you? Or will they say, meh, a good guy, a nice woman, but meh, didn't really make a difference in the world? Dear friends, we want to be commended by other people. We want to die with a godly reputation. That's not the main end of our lives. The glory of God is. But when we pursue the glory of God, when we bring upon ourselves the risk that is involved in ministry, people praise that. So dear friend, when you die, what will people say of you? We want people to think and speak of us in these terms. And the way we do that, the way you die well, the way you die with a godly reputation is you take risks. You seek to lose for Christ. You seek to lay it all on the line, whether it's your finances, whether it's your time, whether it's your comfort. You repent of this cultural Christianity, this safe, comfortable, just leave me alone Christianity. I just want to go to church and be left alone and pay my tithe a little bit. We repent of that. And we offer it all to the Lord. And the benefit is tremendous. You will die with a great name. And that name is worth more than gold. This is what Jesus calls us to, dear friend. He calls us to come and die and to take risk for his namesake.
Father, we praise your name. We ask and pray for an awareness of our comfort bubbles, our ministry comfort bubbles, Father. We ask and pray for an awareness of where we're not serving you properly. Father, we pray for the cross to be upon us, for that we would take upon ourselves the cross that Jesus calls us to, and that we would be comfortable with loss here in this world because we know that it is gain. It is truly gain. We pray that your, your intervention in our lives and the commendation from other people would be a motive for which we live, that we would not be man-pleasers, that we would not to seek to please people, but that as a consequence of us seeking the glory of God in ministry, that people would rightfully recognize the work of God in our lives and commend us for being faithful. Father, move us to obedience. We pray that we would take upon ourselves proper risk and we would seek to lose for the sake of Christ. Blessed be your name, Father, for your word. Thank you for the Lord Jesus and for the power of the Spirit. Amen.